from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. It's hard to believe, but we are about to welcome in 2022. We live in amazing times, even if we have our share of challenges. The irony of our times is that we have more time-saving technology, but less time to spend on the things that really matter to us. We have more ways to communicate with each other, but many people feel less connected. We enjoy more abundance than any generation before us, but somehow we have less joy. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about how the ancient observance of the Sabbath, the Shabbat, is exactly what we need to combat the challenges of today's modern world. We'll study the biblical story of the Israelite slavery in Egypt and study its connection to God's commandment to observe the Sabbath. We'll learn how we can escape a sort of modern-day slavery and reclaim what truly brings us joy and meaning in life. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Va'era, which means I appeared, and it covers Exodus 6-2 through 9-35. This week's Parsha continues with the Exodus story. Last week's reading ended on a low note. We learned that Moses returned to Egypt after encountering God at the burning bush and told the elders of Israel that they were about to be redeemed. The Israelites believed him and their hopes were up, but just as quickly, they were crushed again. Moses and Aaron spoke to Pharaoh and for the first time asked him to let their people go. But Pharaoh responded by making things even worse for the Israelites. Not only did he refuse to let them go, he made their work even harder He changed the rules that they had to produce the same amount of bricks as usual, only now they had to collect their own straw in order to make the bricks. Even Moses was shocked by Pharaoh's response. He turned to God and he said, Why did you send me, God? It only made things worse for the people. This week's Parsha begins with a more encouraging tone. It starts with God's assurance to Moses that in spite of how things seemed, the Israelites really were about to be redeemed. God instructed Moses to reassure the children of Israel too and to give them a message of hope and encouragement. God told Moses exactly what to say. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, this is what we read. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. That's pretty powerful. 
In the verse that I just read, God assured the Israelites that he would free them from Egyptian slavery, take them as his people, and bring them to the promised land. God made it clear that he was about to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The long-awaited time of redemption had finally arrived. The verse that I want to focus on today tells us how the Israelites responded after Moses delivered this message to them. It is chapter 6, verse 9, and I'm going to read it to you now. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they didn't listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. The verse tells us that the people did not believe Moses, even though he was sent by God. They could not hear his message of hope because they were completely exhausted and discouraged. The rabbis taught that the Exodus story is a story that we all live out in our lives. It's not only for that time. It's relevant to us. The Hebrew name for Egypt is Mitzrayim, which is nearly identical to the Hebrew word Mitzarim, which means narrow straits or places of confinement. The story of God taking the Israelites out of Egypt, out of Mitzrayim, can be understood on an allegorical level. It is the story of every human being who goes through difficult times, times of Mitzarim, times of constriction and confinement. But with God's help, we can come out from those difficult places and step into a place of promise and possibility. So everything that happens in the Exodus story has an important message for our own story, something that we can learn from and apply even to our modern living today. When the Bible tells us the reason why the Israelites suffered from despair, it's a message for us too. Scripture tells us that there were two things that brought the Israelites down. One was harsh labor, and the other is called kotzer ruach in the original Hebrew. Kotzer ruach is two Hebrew words, and what it literally means is a short spirit. The Israelites weren't only physically exhausted from centuries of Egyptian slavery, but they had a crushed spirit as well. And because of that, they fell into a pit of hopelessness and despair. One of the important messages that we can take from this is how important it is to take care of ourselves, both physically and spiritually, at all times, and especially when we're going through a difficult time. We need to give ourselves proper nutrition to exercise if possible and to get enough rest, even when we're short on time. God wants us to make time for these important things that nourish our body. And just as we need to nourish our bodies, we also need to nourish our souls. Whether that means making time for prayer, listening to an inspiring Bible class, or spending time with the people we love, we need to keep our spirits healthy and strong. When we take time to nurture our body and soul, we are far better equipped to handle anything that life sends our way. In the past, I've spoken about how I integrate this teaching into my own life, how I've learned to slow down and take care of myself when things get especially challenging and overwhelming. 
But today, I want to talk to you about the most important and most effective way that I take care of myself and keep my life in balance all the time. And that is through the weekly Sabbath, or in Hebrew, Shabbat. I can tell you very confidently that there is nothing else in the world that nourishes my body and soul quite like Shabbat. Observing the Shabbat is, of course, one of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 8, we read, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And I know that many of my Christian friends are careful to remember the Sabbath and to make it a sacred day, just like the Jewish people have done for thousands of years. But the way that Jews observe the Sabbath is very different than anyone else. And I think that there are some lessons for how the Jewish people observe Shabbat that everyone can benefit from. As Christians with roots in the Jewish faith, the more you understand the Jewish Sabbath, I believe, the better you will understand the Christian Sabbath and how you can make the most of it. The 19th century Jewish poet Achad Ha'am famously said, More than the Jews have kept Shabbat, Shabbat has kept the Jews. I love that quote. It reminds me that the Jewish Sabbath is an incredible gift, one that has helped the Jewish people survive and thrive in spite of the 2,000 years of exile and persecution. Shabbat is the anchor in my own life, and I can't imagine my life without it. But I didn't always feel that way. When I was growing up, before I was old enough to appreciate what Shabbat was all about, it could sometimes feel like a drag. There are a lot of things that Jews can't do on the Sabbath. We don't turn electricity on or off, so I couldn't listen to the radio or watch television. And I so wanted to watch those Saturday morning cartoons I heard so much about. We don't drive on the Sabbath, so there was no shopping, no going to the roller rink, no going bowling, or any of the other fun things that I imagine my non-Jewish neighbors doing on Saturdays. Shabbat could sometimes feel like a series of no a bunch of things that we couldn't do on that one day a week. But with my parents' help, I learned to appreciate the things that we could do on Shabbat and only on Shabbat. But let me back up a bit and explain where all of these rules that define the Jewish Sabbath come from. Without going into all the details, the main reason why we don't do certain things on Shabbat is based on the biblical idea that God created the world for six days and then stopped working on the seventh. Exodus chapter 20 verses 9 and 10 tell us to work for six days and then to stop working on the seventh day. The next verse, verse 11, says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. According to Jewish tradition, these verses instruct us to refrain from any creative work on the seventh day as a way of remembering and demonstrating that God is the ultimate, perfect creator. In Jewish law, there are 39 categories of creative work, which define the boundaries that we observe today. There is a legal process that determines these laws, which has evolved over 3,000 years, all with the goal of preserving the sanctity of the Sabbath and keeping the seventh day holy. 
all week long we can work and create, and it's even a mitzvah to do that, a positive commandment. But on the seventh day, we are commanded to stop. The word Shabbat literally means stop. We stop creating and remember that God is the true creator. And just as he created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, so do we. Another place in the Bible where we are instructed to observe Shabbat is in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17. This verse tells us that God created the world in six days and then on the seventh day, Shabbat vayinafash. Shabbat means he stopped. Vayinafash means he rested. But the word vayinafash is rooted in the Hebrew word nefesh, which means soul. Because the kind of rest we do on the Sabbath is not resting from physical labor, although we do that too. It's the kind of rest that replenishes and restores our soul, exactly like it says in the Bible. Shabbat vayinafash, to stop and renew our soul. I remember watching an interview of former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Larry King Live in the summer of 2010. At the time, Netanyahu was Prime Minister of Israel, and he was a very, very busy man. People who have worked for Netanyahu talk about how hard he works for Israel and how little sleep he gets at night. Few people are busier than he is. Larry said to him, you live in the center of a hostile world. Do you ever get to really relax? This is what Netanyahu answered him. He said, yes, I get to relax and I'll tell you when. Every Saturday we have a day off. I take an hour and a half and I read from the Bible with my younger boy. I relax and I draw a lot of spiritual strength. Shabbat is a day of spiritual replenishment in the context of physical rest. We don't stop working just so that we can have a short break before we go back to the grind of the next day. We rest from activity so that we can exercise, be aware of, and give energy to our soul. This is the purpose of Shabbat. It reminds us that God is our creator, and it gives us the space to strengthen our connection to our creator, to strengthen our soul. But there is another reason given by the Bible for why we keep the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy 5.15, we read, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. We see here a very clear connection. By observing the Sabbath, we take a day to remember that we were once slaves, but God set us free. It's this aspect of the Sabbath that I think resonates deeply with our generation. We are a generation that too often becomes slaves. We think we're free, but look what we're slaves to. We're slaves to our phones. We're slaves to our work. We're slaves to entertainment. We're slaves to shopping. We're slaves to doing all kinds of things instead of just being still. We are busy 
non-stop. But when the sun goes down on Friday, the Bible directs us to stop, to press pause on our busy lives, to relax, to rethink, and to reset. No matter how busy my Friday is, finishing up my work week and preparing for Shabbat, when the sun sets, everything stops. We turn off our computers, the television, and our phones. My children join me as we light the Sabbath candles and a peaceful atmosphere without any bings or tings or movies or radio, without any outside voices fills our home. We don't cook on Shabbat, so everything has to be done beforehand. Once Shabbat begins, there is nothing left to do but enjoy the silence to be with family, to be with God, and to be with friends. Our Shabbat meals are my favorite time of week. And it might sound boring on Shabbat, but the truth is, it is the most fun I have all week. I cover the table with a nice tablecloth, set the table with my best dishes, and place a fresh vase of flowers on the dining room table. These small details set the tone for Shabbat, and everyone knows that it's a special and sacred time. Before we begin our Friday night meal, my husband and I bless our children. How beautiful is that? We stop. We focus only on our children, and we bless them with all of our hearts. It's a Jewish tradition to say the priestly blessing over our children on Shabbat. So we lay our hands over each child's head, starting with the eldest, and we bless them these traditional words. These Friday night dinners are our time to ask each child and each other about his or her week to stop and focus on them. It's also a time to discuss the weekly Parsha, the Bible portion of the week. My kids share what they learned in school, and we discuss the Bible teachings together all week. Sometimes I'm too busy to really sit with them and hear what they learned in school, hear what they're thinking about their teachers. This is the opportunity. For the rest of Friday and all of Saturday, we stay local. We go to synagogue, we host lots of guests in our house, or we go to other friends' house in our community. Since we don't drive on Shabbat, no one is running out to go anywhere. No one's going out to errands, and no one's doing anything that's very far from home. And since my kids can't play video games, watch TV, or be on social media, they enjoy spending time together as a family or having quality time with their friends. It's always young parents that get most excited when I tell them about how we celebrate Shabbat. In a world where our children have become so glued to electronics, the idea of unplugging for 24 hours is very appealing. When I tell people that on the Sabbath, our family shares three meals all together, that we bless our children on Friday night, and that because we don't drive or go on electronics, we spend most of the time just sitting together as a family, people usually react by saying, this is exactly what the modern family needs. Kids need to be blessed by their parents. Parents need to carve out time to just be with their children without any distractions. Families need to come together as a unit to talk, to laugh, and just be. But it's not just families that need the Sabbath. Everyone, no matter what stage in life you're at, needs to unplug. And once a week is a very good idea. 
We all need time to focus on what matters in life and not just go to synagogue or church for a few hours, but to be intimately with God, with no other distractions, for 24 hours. In our fast-paced society, it's so nice to slow down, to not go anywhere, to not accomplish anything. Sometimes people say to me, it must be so hard that you can't drive on Shabbat. It must be so hard not being able to look things up on the computer or go shopping. It reminds me of when I was younger and I focused on all the things that I wasn't allowed to do on Shabbat. But now, I see things in a completely different way. On Shabbat, I'm actually allowed to not work. I'm allowed to not answer emails. I'm allowed for one day to not go on the computer. I'm allowed to not get in the car and go anywhere. In a world that's constantly telling us that we need to be more, to do more, to go places and achieve things, I'm allowed one day a week to just stop. I'm allowed to take one day a week to just focus on myself, on my family, on my community, and on God. And there is so much joy in that. Shabbat has been called an island in time because it is a sacred space where we can rest and reconnect with what matters most without all of the distractions that compete for our time and attention during the week. Recently, I've noticed a trend of people paying for experiences where they can disconnect, like spas that have a no-phone rule. I've heard of celebrities and influencers that pay a lot of money to go to islands where cell phones and computers are simply not allowed. And I can't help but think how lucky, how blessed I am to have that God-given experience for free every single Shabbat. And you know what? You can too. Shabbat tells us that we aren't slaves. We don't have to suffer from hard work and a stifled spirit like the Israelites in Egypt. We are free. We're free to choose to stop working. We're free to choose to disconnect from our distractions. And we're free to choose to recharge our souls. I want to end with an amazing quote about the Sabbath from Rabbi Abraham Heschel, an American scholar who lived in the 20th century. These are his words. To set apart one day a week for freedom, a day on which we would not use the instruments which have been so easily turned into weapons of destructions, a day for being with ourselves, a day of detachment from the vulgar, of independence, of external obligation, a day on which we stop worshiping the idols of technical civilization, a day on which we use no money, a day of armatus and the economic struggle with our fellow men and the forces of nature, is there any institution that holds out a greater hope for man's progress than the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a precious gift that God gave to the nation of Israel and Israel gave it to the world. It is time to reclaim this gift, each in our own way, because there has never been a generation more in need of the Sabbath than our own. 
In Isaiah 58, 13 to 14, we read, If you call the Sabbath a delight, and if you honor it by not going your own way, then you will find your joy in the Lord. This week, think about how you can delight in the Sabbath and find more joy in life. Do you need to create stronger boundaries that give you time each week to really focus on God, on family, and on community? Would you and your family benefit from one day a week or one day a month or even just one day completely disconnected from TVs, computers, and phones? Can you have a weekly Shabbat dinner with family or friends, a special meal that honors God and gives you time with the people you cherish? It's not always easy to stop our busy lives for 24 hours or even just four hours. But I can tell you, from experience, that it is definitely worth it. Try it out and let me know how it goes. I pray that Shabbat will be just as great a blessing in your life as it has been in mine. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.